This episode of Kid Lit These Days is sponsored by Red or Dead, Book Riot's mystery thriller podcast. Grab your sleuthing hat, readers. Get your thrills with Red or Dead, Book Riot's bi-weekly mystery fiction podcast dedicated to the worlds of mystery and thriller literature. Join hosts and genre experts Rincy and Katie as they catch up on mystery and thriller news, chat about new releases, and recommend your next mystery and thriller reads get red or dead that's r-e-a-d or dead on your podcatcher of choice Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Kidlit These Days, a Book Riot podcast. At Kidlit These Days, we are your Kidlit connoisseurs, pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. I'm Matthew Winner, alongside Nicole Young, and we are here to have conversations that create opportunities for parents, grandparents, teachers, librarians, and all who love children's books to engage in the world through literature in a deeper and broader way. We're recording on August 2nd, 2020, and the topic we're focusing on in today's episode is school and how the coronavirus continues to affect plans for the fall. But first, how are you, my friend Nicole? I am doing well, Matthew. Um, we had a little, you know, we always have our little pre-show, so we're we talking had, about... We had our pre-podcast, that's right. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> oh, it's just making me think about how many tough choices that folks have going into this unprecedented school year, and uh, I have all the feelings about it, but overall, yeah. I'm fine. I'm good. How are you? Um, you know, we're going to talk about school because uh, as a teacher, school, as a teacher in a family of teachers, my wife is a teacher as well, um, school affects us, affects everything we do, all the thoughts we have, the emotions that that, that are governing the house at the time. Um, we're thinking about our, our, our rising kindergartner and fifth grader constantly. But on the other side, if we just take a, a break from that and think about where where we're finding places in life to sort of refill, right? Um, I'm going to say that I'm doing great. I'm writing a lot. I'm reading a lot. Things things feel good. Nicole, I had this like weird, weird, um, I don't know, interest, thought, something, which is I want to teach myself how to draw. Really? That's my new thing. Like I, I love I, it. You know, I read comics all the time and I write comics, but it's very hard to only work in comics from the writing side not that you can't do it but for me I I constantly am like in my brain drawing these pictures and it frustrates me that I'm I'm trying to paint with words what I would love to just have my hand draw some sort of sample drawing even if I'm not the cartoonist on a thing so I've been thinking about like first steps, whether that be getting myself a, a, a just a, a blank drawing journal that I can just do daily drawings in, or looking up challenges, or doing something to to sharpen those skills. I've, I've drawn since I was a kid, but it, it can only take me so far, and I think I'd really love to find my voice as as an artist, as it were. I uh, love that, that Matthew! So that's so, what's going on in my brain. I love that. Do you know that like that has been one of my so drawing has been one of my deep pleasures and places of calm and joy throughout this pandemic time. I did not know that. So yeah, I love to draw. I'm like a kind of a 
a sketchy drawer. I like to do sketches a lot. Okay. And, then, and in fact, actually, I used to work when I worked in DC, the only way I could really stay engaged in meetings was to do doodles in my in the margins of my notebooks. And so people used to purposefully pick to sit next to me in meetings so that they could see what I was drawing, right? Like That's it was just, adorable. But the, it's like a thing that I love to do. And I have been, it has been a source of great joy during the pandemic because I, right at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, if we're going to be stuck in the house, I'm buying a whole bunch of really nice drawing materials that I had never like spent money on before. So I bought myself some beautiful like uh, sketch pads. I bought gorgeous um, like cream, um, what do you call it? pencils and lovely markers and so like when I'm having a bad pandemic day I just like sit down and start doodling um and drawing and I I think I shared before Vashti Harrison was doing like a little challenge or a daily on her Instagram she was doing a daily lesson of how to draw her characters and it was just fun because you like learn how to draw hers but then to your point about getting your own voice as a, as an author, as an illustrator, you you start off with hers and then you're like, huh, that inspires me. I'm going to do blah, blah, blah. And so then you can build on it. Um, so I think that's wonderful. And I would love that's, to see what you come up with. That's a great place to go to. Have, go watch other illustrators saying, here's how to draw my stuff. Practice drawing their stuff and then draw what a, a cat feels or looks like to me or a mm-hmm. this or that feels or looks like to me that's a great idea i also just hearing you talk i'm interested in what materials what medium feels comfortable for me right now in and i say that coming from the writing world knowing that um writing in verse is very very comfortable for me in a way that writing in prose can be very frustrating um so when i when i learned that that is a a strength of mine it suddenly freed up my writing in ways this was years ago but it freed up my writing in ways that i was like oh well i could i could approach my middle grade this way or i could approach that that way um and so yeah being able to play around with drawing i think even especially just for me not to show Mm -hmm. anyone but just to do it for me i think will also help me be a better storyteller in comics and better you know, to plot and to pace panels and things like that. So yeah, that's where I am. Do you know the books? Um, there, it's a series called Frazzled by author Bookie Vivat. No, I don't know. She, that. It's a middle grade series where the, there's there's drawings all throughout the book, like a lot of these hybrid novels are. But Bookie is a publicist at one of the big five. I interviewed her years ago on the Children's Book Podcast. A wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person, and the books are so funny. Um, and. She talks about how that's like you. She just was a person that would sketch all the time, all the time on the on the margins of wherever she was. And the folks at those meetings, too, likewise, would like lean over and want to know what she's doing. And I love that. I, I think it, it just yeah, there's something so appealing to me. So I yay love for that. it. I used to get in trouble, but I also <laughs> one time someone was like, I feel like you're not paying attention to me, like to me in a meeting. And I was like, actually, I, it's the best way for me to pay attention. I'm and super I can, paying attention. I yes. can actually regurgitate more of what you're talking about because I am doing this thing than than otherwise. Um, but yes, I wholeheartedly encourage this. And I hope that um, you find something good. Also, back to mediums, just find what works for you. So I draw in Sharpie because I oh. really like, um, I like the Sharpie. look of it. Yeah. Not I like pencil. The, no. And I, I purposefully do it. So I really like to do it in Sharpie and then I'll fill in with colors or colored pencils. Hmm. Um, but I really like to do hard lines in the Sharpie. Um, and so it works for me and I'm sure it doesn't work for a lot of people, but so like figuring out what you like to do and then yeah, doing it. 
I love that. Maybe you and I off off book will do a little little drawing challenge. Yes. I can just send you. I can text you a little little drawings. I'm Matthew, in. today draw a whatever. And I'll just send you a little thing. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm in. <laughs> otherwise, um, in, in reading, I read a ton of amazing stuff that I hope not only to to, to share throughout our conversation and with you offline, but I'll, I'll try to share it during our, our book portion too. In particular, one graphic novel called Under the Cottonwood Tree, El Susto de la Corandera, um, written by um, Paul Meyer and Carlos Meyer, illustrated by Margaret Hardy. Um by a, a a very small press um but outstanding this like turns out this woman who like lost her family in this this car crash her kids and and her husband she was sort of the the community healer um and she's taken her powers and sort of turned to evil um in succumbing to a lot of the anger that she feels for those for for the families around her that 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 are still there it was it was fantastic. Such a good comic. What a great escape. And um just one it made me think like, oh I can't wait to share this with with my readers. And that was always exciting. Whenever you read a book and, and you just want to share it with somebody else. Yes, I love this. I'm looking at it now. I'm excited nice. to check it out. Well, let's talk more about it later, but first, do you mind sharing our first sponsor? Sure. This episode is sponsored by Act by Kayla Miller, published by HMH Books for Young Readers. ACT is the funny and honest follow-up to the middle-grade graphic novel sensations Click and Camp, perfect for fans of Raina Telgemeier, Shannon Hale, and Victoria Jemison. Olive is excited to start sixth grade. New teachers, new experiences, and a field trip to the big city with her best buds. But when Olive finds out that a school policy is keeping some kids from going on the trip, she decides to act. New York Times bestselling author-illustrator Kayla Miller crafts a genuine and inspiring story about evolving friendships, supportive families, and finding out that you, yes you, have the power to make a difference. Yeah, comics. Yeah, Kayla Miller. Have you yeah, read comics. Click or Camp yet? I haven't read either of those. No. Oh, they're so great. And I, I've I, I had an arc of ACT. I've read ACT as well. She's fantastic. And she is a cartoonist that my students know and ask for. <laughs> so that we have a third book coming out is something that many, many readers will be very excited about. Yay for that. Yay. And speaking of our readers, why don't we talk a little bit about school? Oof. Right? School. School. I love school. I love yes. my kids going to school. I yes. love my kids having friends. I love getting to teach children. But school now, the mention of the word here in the beginning of August and thinking ahead to back to school is scary for me. Yeah. I mean, and I don't have little ones right now and I'm not I'm not in a school building anymore. And so I don't have to think about going in right now, but I, I can just feel the stress from the educator friends in my life, from the parents in my life. It just feels like such tough decisions that everyone is making right now about how to feel safe, right? While also getting all of the wonderful things that school usually gives us, all the things you just described, right? Like friendship and a place to go and community and all of these things. Um, it's such a rough rough time. It is. And you were talking before recording about something that I thought the wording hit so, it resonated so deeply in me, this notion that like, we are all making difficult and bad choices. And we have to, because we as a, as a nation, were not guided to mm -hmm. be safe. Prevention measures were not put in place when they could have been. 
to help us more safely now be ready to do something like going to school. And, and we're all cleaning up the pieces because of that. We're all paying the price because of that, that people have to return to work. Parents need to work. Kids, we have to, ha- we have to start school. Um, there are things that have to happen. And to, to be in such a position where some folks are forced to hire childcare while they go to work and their kids learn virtually. Um, some families, households like my own, um, as of recording, uh, one of us is going back to school in person while the other is uh, virtual school and our kids, both of our kids are virtual school. So how that will put pressure on that parent staying at home who has to do a job, but also has to help the kids do school. Um, it's just a lot. We're at a place where there is no good solution. Um, only, only facing things and dealing with things. And I hate to say it, Nicole, but, but trying not to resent everyone else in the process. It's so hard. And yeah, like you said, I just, we are facing the fallout of a government that has completely, and and I mean federal government, that has abdicated its responsibility to support us, right? Like to get us to a place where we're stable and safe enough to go back to school. Um, And I think that you you shared about families who could pay somebody to come in and take care, like families like yours where you have two educators. But I also think about families where neither of the folks are educators and they have to go to work and they cannot afford any kind of childcare for their children, right? And so- those folks are facing a question about, you know, do I just send my kid back because I need somewhere for them to go, right, yeah. while we're working? Um, or is that too dangerous? And if it is too dangerous, then I don't have – we don't have options for income earning in our home because somebody has to stay. Um, and I just – it is an impossible situation and it's it could have totally been avoided. Like every time I look at New Zealand and I'm like, everybody's fine in New Zealand right now. Like they are fine. Um, it makes me so mad. <laughs> we, yeah, you're putting people in the position of, of having to potentially also consider merging your bubble with another family yes. in order to make this happen. But But have those families followed guidelines – to a degree that that you're okay with. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are a family that's been extremely conservative with the the number of times we go out, go out the way we clean, the way we disinfect, the people we we we've just been very very closed off. And that comes with its own challenges, but then when you put it up against a family that that m- might to us feel like they have not been as precautious, then that's also really scary too. That sure, I'd love to help you if I could, but this is not only a big ask for me to like take your kid for however many days a week to to learn alongside my kids, but also like they're still living with you. They <laughs> you could be bringing this into our house. It's just mm-hmm. scary. I think that something that has struck me the most throughout this entire pandemic experience is that like all of the emergency plans that you might have put in place if the worst case scenario happened, right? Like they are all of the worst case scenarios are all happening all at once. (laughs) So like, it's just like, 
you know, there's just, again, back to impossible choices, just impossible choices. Right. right? And so like, yes, I want, I want to live in a place and in a community and I want to live in community where I can be like, yes, if you need something, let's merge our family bubbles. Let's make it happen. Right. But then also, um, we just don't have the infrastructure to like test people effectively to make sure that everyone has what they need. So they don't have to leave the bubble, you know, all of those things. I wrote an article for, Demco, which is a library supply company. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a, a blog called Ideas and Inspiration. I wrote an article um, about what libraries might look like in the fall, trying to anticipate the the myriad ways that libraries could look, right? Um, not even knowing, honestly, what, what my library would look like in the fall, uh, but trying to ask those big questions about access. How do we help kids get books? We all want kids to get books. How do we do it safely? How do we teach? How do we support? How do we make ourselves um, indispensable? And it's interesting to be in a position now where I'm seeing plans at my school and going, oh, this is, I'm going to be teaching in a way that I've never taught before. And I never would have thought that this is the way I'm going to teach. And that doesn't make it good or bad. It just makes it a fact. The way that we are, I I work at an independent school. Um, which has the ability to, they ha- we have the ability to spread out and to um, shrink class sizes in a way that a public school would not have the opportunity to do that. Um, and so we have a robust plan for going back in person in the end of August. And um, that's really scary. But knowing how well they've planned and how they're monitoring and how they're going to send people home and this and that, these are all helpful, good things, but still not like anxiety reducing. But but knowing that the library in the fall, if, as it stands, the library will be the staff retreat place. That's where the staff will go when the specialist teachers, like myself, go and teach in the classroom because we want to minimize movement from children. Um, Those types of things make me think about my job differently. And I mean my job as as an educator and how I support kids and how I help provide access. And it's just, it's just interesting to to be confronted with those thoughts daily and how they intersect with my own safety and the safety of my family and, quite frankly, the safety of all the other families. I want to make sure those kids stay safe. In the New York mm-hmm. Times this week, they published an article about a school reopening in Indiana, and on the first day of reopening, um, there was a case of coronavirus, um, which which is going to happen. Yeah. Um, and and how, how we all stay safe is something that that I know we're thinking about. But really what's driving this this conversation as well is how school's going to look different. So your yeah. back to school is going to look different. Most schools mm-hmm. are going to be virtual. So you can't read those books that are like, and in class we get to do this. and get to do this. <laughs> It's going to be absurd for you to read those books. Totally absurd. So, so as we were approaching what books we could talk about today, I think that was also at the at the forefront of our mind as well trying to ask what do parents and what do grandparents the people that are with kids and what do Mm -hmm. teachers the people that are reaching out to kids or or sending messages to our parents what what kinds of things do we need especially when it comes to books what do what do we need so i'm excited when we get to to our book talking segment to talk about those things do you have any more thoughts about 
about school in general? I think one of the things that I've thought about a lot as the conversation about how to reopen schools has been happening is that um, there's just really been a focus, even in the design or the discussion of it on a federal level of like really centering white families and white middle-class families in particular. And this coming from a black girl who grew up in like a middle-class house. Right. Um, But I, I also just think about those kids who, and they're primarily kids of color who are going home to multi-generational homes, right? Like where they're living with grandparents, where they're living with parents and, you know, siblings and nieces and nephews or cousins and all that stuff. Right. And that like the risks in those families are different than the risks in the more traditional nuclear white middle-class families. And I just, I don't know. I don't have anything astute to say about it other than I just, I'm thinking about those families a lot as I'm thinking about what reopening looks like and what it means to be living in an intergenerational home. If you're doing like a hybrid school in the middle of a pandemic. Um, Yeah. They're just on my heart. I think about families that, that, um, live below the poverty line. I think about Mm -hmm. access to food. I think about living in an apartment and being in much closer quarters to much more people than, than, than individuals living in like a single family home. Um, and how, how there's, there's a lot of big challenging questions to ask ourselves as a nation about what we value, um, and how we reach those that aren't in the, the the same ability of access that that other people are i think about what it means to have to return to work but to also somehow have to expect a kid to do school mm-hmm. so as we have many many schools and 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 i'm sure everyone listening is in some way affected by this we have many many schools saying well the way school's going to look in the fall will be more rigorous than it did in the spring in the spring, we were sort of in survival mode, and now we're going to do real school. Uh, when you're doing, quote-unquote, real school and expecting more from families, but also ha- being in an environment that's taking more away from families, yeah, I feel like we are in danger of putting many, many families at risk, marginalizing many, many families further, and... um. And I, I hope, it is my wish that this gets called out in all of our districts and all of our counties and all of our school systems. Like it's called out right away so that what we're not looking at is blaming whomever for failing or for not turning in assignments or making whatever assumptions mm-hmm. you want to make. I hope that we are able to think with clear minds about what it means to access the tools we are asking someone to access if not in a school building where I can hand it to you. Yep. I also hope it inspires design. I feel like we've had little waves in throughout this pandemic time of like a burst of creativity and like someone thinking about a, a creative way to solve this particular problem that we're encountering in a pandemic reality. And then it drops down and then up and down. And I feel we're, we're in a trough right now as we're thinking about school, going back to school. But I'm really hopeful that we get back to a place of imagination because I also just see this as a design challenge, right? Like for the people in my life who are not educators or who are educators, but who are educators who think about design, how do we design spaces that can be both safe and inviting and welcoming to young people and then serve all the needs that we have in a pandemic? And of course, that takes resources and money and different school districts may or may not have it. But like, how do we 
think about this as a design challenge and think about how accessibility should be at the center of how we're thinking about how we reopen and and how we design accessibility as as the as the central point of school um i just yeah i i need smarter brains than me to think about like what space looks like and what what a day looks like um when you're thinking about it creatively you know yeah just also i think you and i should open a um subscription box service that's actually like school in a box (laughs) a really robust subscription box service because asking people to just like just color this just draw this on your own or to try to find stuff like what we need really um seriously is for for schools to be able to create high quality resources but then Mm -hmm. get them in front of children yes not compromised and that that actually not sarcastically would would mean a lot of investment in being able to mail to families yes. that are at home. Uh, so maybe there's there's something there, but I <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'll give you I'll get, I'll share the idea <laughs> uh, and cheer you on. You can go. Whoever wants can, to take that, you got that's it. Right. Whoever wants it, you can sponsor an episode of the show. We will <laughs> joyfully read <laughs> the copy for it. <laughs> um, no, but I, I I hope maybe if we can just before we go into our next segment, just stop and say. To you, parent or grandparent or family member or family friend or teacher or librarian or whomever you are and however you are affected by school this fall, we hope for success and innovation. We hope for support and for you to be seen and heard and also that that you can be cared for and you can find the space to care for yourself and care for for our future for all of those children that that are at the heart of of everything we do that are at the heart of our lives yeah what that felt like a beautiful affirmation oh. <laughs> i just i just need people to know that i see you yes. and and i i know you see us too we're trying and we're not going to stop talking about this. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to jump us into our next sponsor and then we're going to talk about some books. Our next sponsor is a book, which is super exciting. It's Peng Action Sports Adventures from Oni Press. Welcome to the all world school of sportsmanship, where kids from all over train to become the best athletes in a world obsessed with even the most marginal sports. Peng follows students Rocky Sassy, Ven, and Radley, also known as the Foot Nucks. Together, <laughs> they will master action-packed fringe sports like kickball, breakdancing, and hacky sack. Our heroes battle boredom, the sun in their eyes, their own self-doubt, as well as strange and unusual baddies like the Aurora Skettos and the Biter, mystical foes who are also vying for victory. With a little love and luck, the Footnucks may just win the game and your heart. That's Peng Action Sports Adventures from Oni Press. Always love talking about comics. <laughs> so I know that you and I have a bunch of comics in our book talk segment. Before we get into it, I'll say, folks, if any of this resonated with you about schools, if you want to talk about school, you want to talk about books, hit us up online. On social media, you can use hashtag KidLitTheseDays to find us. You can also email us at KidLitTheseDays at BookRiot.com. 
As usual, every book and every resource we talk about will be in our episode show notes. Find it at bookriot.com slash listen. It's episode number 35 of the podcast. Nicole Young, I know what you're starting out with, and I am jealous that I didn't write it down first. (laughs) Tell the good people about this amazing book. So I'm so excited about it. And we talked about it maybe when we did the Everywhere Book Festival. It was coming up. (laughs) And I was really excited about it. And I was like, oh, it's actually coming out very soon. So it's called Twins. And it's illustrated by Shannon Wright. And it's written by Varian Johnson. Um, And it's a graphic novel, which is the drawings are beautiful. Um, Shannon's drawings are incredible. And so it's based on Varian's own experience as a twin. He's a twin. Um, And so uh, Maureen and Francine Carter are twins and best friends. They participate in the same clubs, they enjoy the same foods, they're partners on the same school projects. But just before they start sixth grade, Francine becomes Fran, a girl who wants to join the chorus, run for class president, and dress in fashionable outfits. And that sets her apart from Maureen and a girl who she's a girl who's happy to share um, only two classes with her sister. Um, she seems happy to be a girl who does who shares two classes with her sister. And so they're growing apart. And are they really sisters forever? Or will middle school change things for good? And so you have an advanced copy of this. I'm so excited to read this. I have I- read half of it. It is... I'm, I'm reading it. I have an advanced copy. So after the first 10 pages, it turned black and white and turned to sketches. <gasps> so I'm seeing Shannon's sketches, but I, I don't even have like the finished copy. And I'm obsessing over this book. <laughs> It, it is it is a story as you're reading um, of twins who have always sort of been mistaken for one another and and one Fran wants wants to be her own kid and what that means to be a twin but also to to want to be seen as an individual that's where we are so far they started middle school it's it's wonderful this is a book I went to um a writing retreat in Austin and. Varian was at the retreat and he showed me early, early, early sketches of this book. And I was giddy the entire weekend (laughs) with him. It was wonderful. I think it was a bond that Varian, Varian who wrote the Parker inheritance also among other fantastic novels. Um, I I think we knew each other from social media and we're like friendly. And when we had that moment, um, <laughs> it solidified something real between Varian and me. <laughs> and this is his first graphic novel. He was it like is. that. Yeah, this is exciting. Yeah, yeah, lot of lot of lot of people are getting a chance to tell their stories in the graphic novel format because I think of the success of comics. More editors are saying yes to it. The market is starting to open for that, and it's such a wonderful medium to tell stories, especially mm-hmm. at the hands of an author who knows how to tell stories well, and in this case, an author and an illustrator who work beautifully together. And we were talking about Own Voices last episode, and this is an Own Voices book, uh, middle grades graphic novel. So please check it out. Yeah, it is. There are not many, and this is this is this. It's all all the people that are paving the way for even more books to come. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm I'm just smiling, 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 smiling. Yay, Varian. Yay, Shannon. High fives <laughs> to both. Um, the book that I am currently listening to on audiobook. I have an advanced audiobook copy because I'm so slow reading middle grade. Um, but this book comes out, actually, probably by the time this goes live, the book will be out. So, yay. It's called A Place at the Table. It's co-authored by Sadia Faruqi and Laura Chauvin. This, Laura Chauvin wrote, uh, among other books, she wrote a novel in verse called The Last 
fifth grade of Emerson Elementary. And Sadia Faruqi, I've talked about on this podcast a ton. She's also been on the podcast uh, in a very early episode about dis- uh, about um, demystifying the hijab. But Sadia writes the Meet Yasmin series of mm-hmm. um, early readers that Hatem Ali illustrates. Place at the Table is about two children, Sara and Elizabeth. And we go chapter to chapter between two different voices. Elizabeth has signed up for a cooking class at school, and Sarah's mom is the new teacher of this cooking class. Uh, And Sarah's mom and family are from Pakistan, and all of her cooking um, reflects that. And uh, Elizabeth's family is Jewish, and her mom is uh, from, has converted to Judaism, and is from um, England. And both moms in the book are studying to take their citizenship test. And it is a, I can't even like, clearly I'm like stumbling over my words. My it is heart. an exceptional, <laughs> exceptional story of, of confronting stereotypes and prejudice and finding space for one another and understanding one another and how you find the language to talk to one another. It is, I can't, I can't even, this is like, you just, I hate to be this way to you, Nicole. You're going to have to read it. I will give you my copy. You're going to have to read it and just love it. And then we can do an entire episode nerding out over it or something. It'll be adorable. But um, it's, it's exceptionally written and, and pushes so hard against when you've had this friend your whole life that's been this way and suddenly you're seeing this friend through a new lens because she's saying awful things to this mm. to this new friend to Sarah she's saying things like go back to where you came from mm. and you always why do you always smell and why does your mom cook all this weird food stuff that you're like this is too awful to be fiction this has to be real um and then to have on the other side of it Elizabeth be sharing the same um, the same but different, same, same but different experiences um, being Jewish and 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 having a mom who has an accent and who also is going through many different things. It's just the complexity in this book and the way it's just taking things one page at a time is, is beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. I'm so glad that, again, as of this episode coming out, that it's now out in the world for other people to share. I love it. I love it. Um, my next one is Three Keys. It's by Kelly Yang. Nice. And you, if you have listened to us before, we, we, we love have Kelly talked, Yang. We love <laughs> Kelly Yang. And we have talked about Friend Desk no fewer than a million times. <laughs> and I am I saw this was coming out and I got so excited. Um so this is the sequel to Front Desk and it's the story of Mia and her friends and her family. Um and so now her her parents are the proud owners of the Calavista Motel and Mia runs the front desk and it's her first she's starting off in 6th grade, another beginning of 6th grade book. Um and so she's so excited about finally getting somewhere with her writing, etc. But she gets to middle school and Mia's teacher doesn't think her writing is all that great. Her entire class finds out she lives and works in a motel. The motel itself is struggling. um, And they've got new immigration laws that are looming. um, And so there's just a lot of changes in Mia's life. And so I think 
first of all, in a turbulent time for all of us right now, I feel like this sounds like a very timely book, but also Kelly Yang, sequel to Front Desk. <laughs> I have not read the synopsis of this book yet. You are sharing it with me for the first time. I cannot wait. Me neither. <laughs> it's on I, I on my Libro account. I've, I've like pre-ordered the audiobook. So when it releases, I assume at the same time that the book comes out, the book currently has, I think, a September release date. Yes. Um, so hopefully the audiobook will come out at the same time. I would imagine with the success of Front Desk that that, that is a priority for the publisher. But, oh, oh boy. Yay, Kelly Yang. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I have... Let's take things a little younger. Mm-hmm. I have a new chapter book series that that is so wonderful by an author I love so much. Um, this is the 13th Street series by David Boles and illustrated by Shane Cluster, illustrated, gra- uh, illustrated chapter book series, um, including titles such as Battle of the Bad Breath Bats, <laughs> the Fire-Breathing Ferret Fiasco, <laughs> Clash of the Cackling Cougars, uh, the upcoming... The shocking shark showdown, and in April of next year, I had to put this in because I was like, Nicole's gonna love this. In April of 2021, tussle with the tooting tarantulas. (laughs) (laughs) I love an alliterative title. Come on, this is great. So, I mean, not to brag, I am a near 40 year old reader, but I read these three chapter books in like two days. <laughs> but seriously, um, this is a, a a book about this is an own voices chapter book series about three cousins who uh, in the first book go to visit a water park. They're visiting um, family in Mexico City and they go to visit a water park. And um, uh, a woman says there's a shortcut if you just take this alley. But the shortcut leads to a street that doesn't exist on any maps. 13th Street. Um, where in this case, the first book has these these oversized bats with bad breath. Um, <laughs> the children need to figure out how do we get back. Um, and in, in each of the three books, the solution has something to do with what makes the creatures threatening in the books. It's so funny. Uh, there's Spanish language peppered into this story. The in the first three books, each of the characters sort of takes center stage for each of the books. Um, I thought it was so fun, though, and uh, it was cracking me up. I can't wait to share with my readers. We talk about those books that are are sort of school adjacent, but ones that you just know. These are all about kids. These are about kids and kids with other kids. And I so love it's, it. it's it's just like how do we. How do we form a pact? How do we support each other against, in this case, ridiculous odds? <laughs> There's um, zombies that, that, a family of zombies that don't eat uh, people, but they do eat rats. Uh, and they live in a giant, like, refrigerated warehouse because if they didn't live in a refrigerated warehouse, their flesh would decay more. <laughs> They call me Gero. Do you know that novel inverse? It's a short novel inverse. Beautiful mm-hmm. book about uh, a child living on the border. And he's also, uh, he's written many, many things. That's what I, I think know and admire him most for. He, he's done a lot of writing. Uh, but ooh, this, this book series is funny. 
I love it. Um, well, also on the younger end, I was realizing I only had middle grades books and I was like, I need a back to school uh, a picture book. Yeah. So this is one of my favorites. I love King of Kindergarten. But the thing is, it is very traditional school, right? Like it, it is. is like the traditional school experience. But I'm thinking about I have a friend who's got a kindergartner going to her first, you know, she's starting kindergarten in a pandemic. And so yeah, me too. I just I'm one of those friends. Yeah, I have. my. So yeah, I have there's lots of people who have tiny folks going off to kindergarten. And so I just I love this book. I've given it as a gift a million times. It's written by Derek Barnes, and it's illustrated by Vanessa Brantley Newton. Um, and it is own voices. And so if you need a little more traditional back to school book this is a good one it's it's so sweet too and i can't i can't not picture what it's like putting that book in the context of zoom and a kid (laughs) being a personality in the virtual space the same Mm -hmm. way they're a personality in a classroom space that's not going to change kids are kids (laughs) and dynamic dynamic (laughs) comes out only now many teachers will be discovering their class dynamic virtually, which will be a different experience. But again, it'll be an experience that happens no matter what. Uh, I want to stick us with some more picture books because that is a world I gladly inhabit. And it is one I'm already thinking about, about how I will bring the world to my readers and also how I'll be reading aloud to them. And so one book that I thought of right away, um, especially for my younger children is called a gift for ama market day in india this is written by mira Sriram and it's illustrated by mariona cabasa uh mira Sriram wrote a beautiful book called the yellow suitcase i don't know if you're aware of that book it was a gorgeous gorgeous uh picture book um about a, a girl going to india to uh a funeral of her grandmother mm-hmm. and and what she would bring back in this suitcase very beautiful story this one um focuses on markets a day at a market and colors that we see in a market but as you would expect from the title it goes through colors in the most beautiful way it doesn't talk about orange as orange it leads with saffron orange strands in tiny scoops what i'm like to season rice Mm. orange marigold swing over doors swish swish should i make her a garland it's it's a child visiting a market and taking things in almost by color, I would describe it, and and how beautiful she describes it that way. So where we have these leading words, where we might normally be used to it saying, blue is this that I see, and white is this that I see. If I just read the beginning phrases on each page, it's jasmine white, lotus pink, mm. uh, peacock green, you can hear me turning the pages, vermilion red, charcoal vermilion black. Right? So beautiful, beautiful language. Um, The book ends also with back matter about markets around the world, sort of famous markets around the world um, in Morocco and Poland and Thailand and Mexico, Taiwan. Um, We might not be able to go to markets, but of course that's not stopping people from from accessing fresh food Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and knowing and talking about food, I think is really something that that brings us all together. And it also helps us track the year because we mm-hmm. have different things available during different times in season. Uh, and so I found that to be a story that, that not only took us somewhere uh, and, and, and also sees other people and other experiences that you might have in your class. Uh, but I also found the way it talks about colors to be particularly inviting. 
I also love that note around tracking time because I, I don't know about for you, but tracking time in this time of pandemic has been so hard for me. I sure. like I have I have never felt more that time was a construct than I do now. Um, <laughs> and so I think it's interesting as we launch into what is a traditional like back to school time, right? Yeah. But all of these things that are the markers of traditional back to school time don't exist. How do we help children mark the passage of the year? right? Both in like in the world around them, but also just like through literature, right? Like how do we help them process these different things that are, are still realities and still happening, even if we don't get to experience them in the same way? I That's love that. Excellent thing. An excellent thing to point out that we through reading are also processing the passage of time. Yeah, m- even more beyond like, and now it's fall, look how the leaves are changing. <laughs> but, but also just things that happen. I have another, can I share another picture book with you that is actually marked by time? It's called The Thing About Bees, A Love Letter by Shabazz Larkin. This book came out last year. I'm only now um, reading it, but it's beautiful. It it sort of talks about bees and how they're not unlike children buzzing around and they can be a bit rude and fly in your face. (laughs) Uh, It's a sweet, sweet story. Um, And I'm trying to turn to a page in particular that that I... um, like the language in but but the entire book is is informational and and how bees go about and take up space but it also talks about children how you even sting when you're in a bad mood you fly in my in my face and prance on my food um but it talks about how we need bees because bees are what gives us watermelon and strawberries Mm -hmm. and and flowers and all of these different things that we wouldn't have if we didn't have these pollinators uh, in the end, it, it ends with uh, a note about different kinds of bees and hornets and what makes the best pollinators. And it has the most gorgeous, gorgeous, beautiful illustrations, ones that feel like they're painted over colored paper. I don't know how else to describe it. It looks like um, the Shabazz started with like a blue base and then painted pink on top of it or painted this on top of it. It just has that layered paint look that that is is beautiful it's it's a it's an illustration that i haven't seen in books before which i think catches my eyes so to be greeted with such a, a beautifully spoken story a real poetic story uh, a real love letter as as he even says in the title as it was a it was a really wonderful treat and one that that marks time because because bees bees are buzzing now bees are making things grow now mm-hmm. um so yeah thanks for for sharing that i love that um, so my last one is a book that I just checked out from the library and I'm about, I got the ebook for it and I'm about halfway through the other half of happy by Rebecca Barcarcel. Um, and it was actually a 2020, uh, Pura Belpre, uh, honor book. Um, and so I like it cause it's, it, there's a back to school vibe, but then it's also just about like, about trying to bring like multiple worlds together and trying to like navigate your own changes, all the things. So Kihana um, is the main character and she is half Guatemalan and half American and her Guatemalan cousins come to town and her dad all of a sudden is just like, why don't you speak Spanish? Why don't you know your Guatemalan culture? Culture, And she's like, sir, you've never given me this. And so, <laughs> so the whole book is about this kind of tension between these two identities, these two worlds. Um, and so it ends up that her parents, I'm at the part in the book where her parents have decided that they're going to go to Guatemala for a winter trip. Yeah. Um, 
And so I just, it's a back to school thing. It's a, it's a cultural piece. Um, it's also just about navigating change and growth. And I just thought it would be a good back to school book. So again, The Other Half by Rebecca Balcarcel. This book has a wonderful audiobook as well. Nice. It's, um, I remember seeing this book by its cover. It's got almost a mosaic cover, yes, black cover with like these 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 squares of 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 color popping out. Mm-hmm. The other half, a beautiful book. I believe her debut, if I'm not mistaken, I too. Th- I think so. Yeah, yeah, that was wonderful. Uh, the one I want to close with um, brings us back to the home again, uh, and this is a book about about children raised by uh, by 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 people that are not. Uh, the direct family, not the direct parents. I'm not sure how I'm wording that wrong, but but let me just describe the book and I think you'll understand what I mean. Mm-hmm. The picture book is called Just Like a Mama. It's written by Alice Faye Duncan. It's illustrated by Charnel Pinckney Barlow, the uh, granddaughter of Jerry Pinckney. <laughs> she is of the Pinckneys. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a it's a book about a girl being raised by a family friend. And we don't know why mama or mom and dad or whomever are not in the picture we just know for the course of this book that they're not and that this woman is a caretaker to this child and is a is just like a mama to this child and it um it has nuance it um talks about the moments that i think about mama and wonder if i'm like her or i wish she was here or it just has those those tinges of sadness that that come, don't they? When you miss mm-hmm. someone or think about someone, we all are, are visited by just these sort of blips on the radar of, of of pangs of heartbreak, but then are reminded of who we have and, and, and who's loving us. Mm-hmm. And and we all I hope have someone who loves us and, and, and we need someone who loves us in our lives. And so um it just came to mind when I was thinking about who will be home with children this year who will be uh, um, not necessarily the caretaker, but who will be in their lives. And then right away my brain went to, Oh, there's such a wonderful picture book about someone literally being just like a mama. So I love this. I'm looking at it now. I've never heard of this book, but it looks beautiful. It's also oh, own great. voices. And it I is. think it, yeah. it goes to what we were talking about earlier before the break, which is that, you know, there are families constructed in so many different ways um, and as we're rethinking this like school reopening thing, we're thinking about one type of family, but there are so many other types of families. Yeah. And um, this is beautiful. It's it beautiful. is an own voices book because of the main characters being black and Alice Faye Duncan, as well as Charnel, um, both being black. Um, but neither were raised by uh, a, a caretaker figure. So I want to okay. just be clear of, of, we made we we went to great lengths last week yes, about we did. distinction in that way. Um, mm-hmm. Alice Faye Duncan, though, is a teacher, um, and and carried this story with her. I think she said in an interview for twenty plus years mm. since the uh, late nineties uh, from a family, um, a, a child um, that she taught, and and wanting to find a way to tell that story and see that child through a book, and she's done it beautifully. Beautifully, beautifully. Uh, and there's wonderful back matter on it as well. So, yay for books. 
Thank Yay you for all. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us today. As always, we would love your feedback on this podcast. We always appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever you get your podcasts. When you do that, you help other people find us. You can find me, Matthew Winner, at Matthew Winner on Twitter. And you can find me, Nicole Young, on Twitter at IttyBittyNY. Thanks to Dr. Baker for sound editing on this episode. If you have a story idea, reach out to us on social media using hashtag KidLitTheseDays or email us at KidLitTheseDays at BookRiot.com. We would love to hear what you're thinking about and what you would like to hear on the show. May your coming days be storied and may the good stories keep on coming. <laughs>